Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of Brewer Magazine, the podcast. I'm your host and the publisher of Brewer Magazine, Tyler Montgomery. This episode is brought to you by Biogill Wastewater Treatment Solutions. In this episode, our editor, John Seacott, sits down with Steve Gluck. Steve has more than 40 years of research experience in analytical chemistry and water technology assessment. Although actively serving as a technical and board advisor to advanced technology companies in the wastewater treatment industry and academia, he receives his most satisfaction in being part of the success story of others. As such, he does whatever it takes from cutting PVC pipe to researching technology viability. He has been in the trenches with new technology at a number of craft breweries addressing wastewater treatment challenges. Steve regularly speaks at major international wastewater treatment conferences and has multiple patents and publications. He has a PhD in analytical chemistry and lives in Lake Jackson, Texas. In this interview, Steve sheds a lot of light on what your brewery can do to better manage its wastewater. I hope you enjoy this interview between Steve Gluck and our editor, John Seacott. So sit back, grab you a pint, throw on your headphones or crank up the volume, take some notes, and learn a little bit about what you can do to better manage wastewater treatment for your brewery. Hope you enjoy. Cheers. Well, Steve, first off, I don't think a lot of breweries might understand exactly how much wastewater they're actually putting out. What's the problem with brewery wastewater? You know, and how does it get to be a problem the bigger you get? Well, the whole issue, John, is around sustainability, and brewers want to be uh, sustainable and environmentally conscious uh, members of the community, especially within the high growth rate that they're experiencing. And so uh, when you make beer, as you know, you wash tanks, you have waste product, and in actuality that uh, ranges from about four gallons to as high as 12 gallons of wastewater per every gallon of beer produced. And as such, uh, it's something that brewers need to pay attention to. Well, and like you said, you're creating so much. What is actually in the wastewater that is the worst parts especially for municipalities, if that's a way of breweries getting their water? Yeah, well, there are regulations around it, and they're based on common sense and good science. And there's three things that uh, are regulated. And first and uh, simplest is the pH. Mm-hmm. And some of your cleaning chemicals are uh, uh, very aggressive, and they can damage sewer systems or uh, stress the biology that's downstream where the water gets to. The, the second is uh, a little bit simpler it is uh, solids that might be uh, caused from the uh, washing operations, and those solids could plug sewer systems or plug septic systems, and so those have to be controlled. And then the most uh, complicated of the top three is the biological oxygen demand. And so this is uh, bacteria food or bacteria candy. It's the sugars that come from the beer. It's chemicals that are used in washing that do get eaten by the biology and uh, biological oxygen demand is a widespread uh, parameter in wastewater treatment in that if that water with the waste, the biological oxygen demand, the waste goes into a public system, it sucks the oxygen out of the water, and then fish die. And so it mm. creates a very unhealthy scenario. Well, and especially in the last five years or so, you've seen the number of craft breweries go from somewhere in the uh, you know, a little under 2,000 to now over 7,000. And, of course, that means a lot of municipalities have been able to kind of learn a little bit about oh, what's going on and how this affects their systems. You know, how has surcharges for municipalities changed just in these past few years? And, you know, what can we expect from them in the future? 
Well, these these breweries are in since they're smaller, the craft brewers they're in broad locations geographically. And so what that means is, uh, for example, if you're in a community that's, say, 1,000 to 10,000 people, the public wastewater treatment system has been designed for that number of people. And when you enter a brewery, uh, that's a lot of load on that wastewater treatment facility. So there are uh, a person equivalent a wastewater treatment plant is designed in terms of person equivalence, and uh, a, a brewery severely overloads that to the extent that many of these small communities with just one brewery that may be between five and 10,000 barrels per year can be taking up uh, 20 to 30% or more of the capacity of the local wastewater treatment plant. And that capacity, well, you know, back it up a little bit, wastewater treatment plants consists account for about the major utility cost of any municipality from mm -hmm. electricity. And that electricity is used to pump the oxygen to remove the biological oxygen demand. So that brewery is definitely under the radar of the local community so that they can avoid capital expansion. Well, now you think about it, there's so many brewers that are even in opening up outside of municipalities, maybe a place where they're not getting their water from a city or at least working with someone to try to bring water into that. Uh, is there a difference for a brewery that is outside of a municipality? Yeah, absolutely. So in this case, you're talking about the breweries that don't have a local sewer system that they can dump into. And when they dump mm -hmm. into a sewer system, they pay for that. So if they don't have a sewer system, what are your choices is to somehow put it in an aquifer or put it in a septic system. If you put it in a septic system and you don't treat the BOD, bacteria are going to grow, the bacteria are going to die, that's going to make solids, it's going to plug the septic system really rapidly. Uh, alternatively, even with that scenario, if you treat it on site to put the water into a septic system, it'll last longer, but then you will have solids to manage and you will have the concentrate, which you're taking away in side streaming and hauling in trucks to a local uh, wastewater treatment plant, and so you're at the whim of the availability of that plant to accept your waste, and you're paying for it all along the way from trucking fees to pickup fees to tipping fees at the wastewater plant. And so the, it behooves the brewer to look into alternative costs and scenarios all along the way, whether it's putting it in a sewer, putting it in a truck, or treating it on site. So then how are breweries becoming more sustainable um, more environmentally uh, environmentally friendly and, uh, you know, using the technology that's available to them? Because obviously they know that they need to do this. I mean, what are kind of the key things that they're working towards? Yeah, ab absolutely. And so the, the big brewers are addressing the, the problem just as uh, big food and beverage companies are across the, met the board. And some of them are looking at treatment solutions where uh, they can get valuable product from their wastewater, such as biogas, which can be used to burn to create boilers. If you have such an operation that's expensive, you're going to have to hire an engineer or a company on site to run it. It's not easy. The small brewers don't have that option because it's much too expensive, and so they look at uh, small flow rate treatment systems, of which uh, the options for such systems, uh, typically under a million dollars, are really limited. And uh, One I've been working with for the last five years that just came to the United States uh, in 2018, but they have uh, over two to, two to 300 installations overseas in uh, Australia and Asia. It's a company called Biogill. 
And when it comes to putting something like that together, is it something that uh, a brewery should start thinking of even before they open? Uh, or is this something that's a little farther down the road at a certain barrelage? I mean, uh, what are they looking at in ROI? Uh, there is a cost to their wastewater, no matter how you, how you look at it. So it mm-hmm. can be a surcharge. It can be building a septic system. Um, uh, so there is an option of doing nothing and paying a surcharge, or there is an option of buying some equipment to reduce, to treat the wastewater on site and to eliminate the surcharge. And so on site, this equipment is uh, designed to be relatively simple so that you basically pump it into a tank and then the tank pumps it over these units, which kind of look like outhouses in one mm-hmm. uh, option. And then it comes out uh, with treated water. Now, is that viable for someone on any level or any brewery at any size? What's kind of the range on this? Yeah, typically we're uh, working with breweries that are in the 3,000 to 30,000 barrel per year production rate. So okay. anything higher than that has uh, the more expensive options, uh, which are more sophisticated, and you can afford to hire an engineer. And anything smaller than that, uh, you uh, can avoid surcharges perhaps or deal with it in, in another way. So what are some ways that a uh, brewery can get started looking at their wastewater, actually understanding it and going forward into the future with it? Yeah, so uh, you want to know uh, what your options are. So if you're just in the planning basis, of course, you've got to pick your community and your neighborhood. And believe me, these surcharges really are granular. And so one community 10 miles away for five miles away from another community might have a difference of 10 or not even have a surcharge. And so you need to understand that. And that's really easy to find that information in terms of your background research. And you just go into this community that you're thinking about and Google uh, their municipal code for industrial wastewater treatment, and you'll find your category in there and how much you'll pay. But then to understand how much you pay, you have to look at uh, the concentration of the wastewater expected. And in uh, breweries, we kind of know what that is, and it's going to be – Two to 3,000 parts per million BOD. And then if you know your, your production rate, you multiply it times about six to get the wastewater flow rate rate. And from there, you can calculate your BOD cost. But that's just an estimation tool. And then you want to, uh, if you already are operating, you want to get good laboratory analysis and advice on how to interpret that laboratory analysis or how to approach that laboratory. If you just say you want a BOD analysis and you send them a sample, uh, they're likely to make an error. But if you tell them uh, a little bit about your operations, it helps the laboratory to uh, do good results. Believe me, for the over 20 years, I've been looking at some of these laboratory results. And without digging into the details, you know it's an error. And the error is typically not on the laboratory side, but it's on the customer side for not having that conversation with the laboratory to uh, put the, the wastewater into the test range. And then, so once you have that done that basic homework, then you talk to the municipality, and they're typically really helping, helpful to talk to. You can do it at the state level or the uh, local community level. And, in fact, at the community level, they – most places will require you to talk to them anyway. But it's good to walk into the room having a basic understanding. And then there are, of course, uh, resources online from uh, organizations such as the Brewers Association or on the wastewater treatment side, there are a number of organizations such as Water Environment Federation where you can get uh, basic learning materials. 
Well, you mentioned a few right there, but are there other places that someone can go to uh, just to find out some more information uh, about wastewater treatment and kind of the steps they need to take? Yeah, like I mentioned in the Brewers Association, they have uh, a sustainability manual and uh, a very good guidance document on wastewater treatment. But also talk to your vendors and, uh, of course, uh, 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 companies like Biogill or anyone else you might choose has a, a deeper understanding and expertise, then you can get a, a wide array of opinions and draw your own conclusions from uh, such an investigation. It's really not hard. Most people are easy to talk to. Well, Steve, before we uh, started recording this uh, podcast, uh, you had mentioned you're from Houston, big baseball fan, and uh, obviously some great craft beer in the uh, Texas and Houston markets. Uh, is there a certain style you like? I mean, do you kind of uh, look at it from a scientific point of view when you're tasting beers or doing anything like that? <laughs> well, you know, John, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I like experimenting. Uh, lately, I've been drinking uh, Gozes and uh, hazy IPAs, but, uh, you know, what day is it? <laughs> so it'll change tomorrow? <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> well, I have a friend who is a uh, water tech engineer, uh, at a water plant uh, here in Ohio, and uh, when you come over to my house, we're home brewers, so he always wants to taste my water before we go into it. I mean, uh, you know, so, I mean, obviously he kind of has that. Maybe you're not like that, but, you know, do you see yourself looking at beer from a different angle uh, through the water? Well, I've, I've been uh, to several uh, meetings from the American Society of Brewing Chemists and gone through a, a little bit of learning there with regards to taste profiles and how uh, the ionic distribution uh, affects the quality of the beer or the growth of the yeast. And, you know, some people use um, uh, Burtonize their beer by adding certain salts. And But as a uh, – my personal palate is I have no clue. I just know whether it tastes good or not. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I don't take notes, and so I can't remember a year later which was the good one. So. <laughs>